Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. God has saved us and created us in Christ Jesus unto good work so that we would turn around and be kind and merciful to people who were just like us. So we're to be kind to the lost because God has been kind to us. But how kind has God been? Some of us just want to stop at this point and say, well, he saved us. And isn't, isn't that enough? That is enough. Except Paul goes on to explain the depth of what that means. The grace and kindness God lavished upon us when he saved us from our sin is far more than a sterile fact. It is a life-changing fact, a fact that should affect every aspect of our lives, especially our relationships with other people. Nearly all Christians are familiar with Jesus' statement that the world will know we are his followers by the love we show for each other. We must not forget that John wrote that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God loved us supremely before we were saved. Do we love the unsaved enough to sacrifice ourselves for their salvation? Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue our study of the book of Titus, and we will consider just how much kindness God has shown toward us. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and these radio Bible classes are an extension of his Verse by Verse teaching ministry. Our text for this series of studies in Godly Living is chapter 3 of the book of Titus. In the early part of the chapter, Paul gave us instructions to help us successfully evangelize the people around us. One thing we need to keep in mind when dealing with the lost, according to Paul, is the fact that God was kind to us when we were lost. In Romans chapter 2, Paul put it this way, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? If God's kindness led us to our repentance, why are we so often unkind to others who need to repent? Let's keep a finger in Titus and get ready to turn to Acts chapter 27 for a moment. Now here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. It is the kindness of God that leads one to repentance. When somebody finally realizes that they are a condemned sinner, and apart from Christ there is no salvation, they deserved to die and go to hell the moment they were born. We deserve that. But God has been so kind and gracious, giving us opportunity after opportunity to accept Christ. When somebody finally wakes up and realizes that and realizes how kind God has been to them, it's going to lead to repentance. So God is kind. He's kind to all mankind. But verse 4 also says that he loves mankind, which is probably very close It's probably uh, his kindness and and love go hand in hand, except that this word, there is a different word here. The Greek word for love 
gives us our English word of philanthropy because it's a generous outpouring of God's love. And it, it speaks of God's compassion and his affection for people. It is not the, the, it is not the uh, love of emotion. This word is used in Scripture to express not emotion, but helping somebody in need, regardless of how you might feel. It's helping somebody in need. It's delivering someone who's in trouble. It is a compassionate type of love. And let me show you how it's used in Scripture so you'll, you'll get an idea of God's kindness for mankind. In Acts chapter 27, if you look there, Acts chapter 27 and 28, uh, Luke uses this word in two different places. It's translated different ways, but it's the same Greek word. And I want you to see this to understand the depth of God's compassion and God's love. In Acts chapter 27, verse 3, Paul is on his way to Rome. He had several boat rides and it's a long trip in that day to get to Rome as a prisoner. It says this in verse 3 of Acts 27, And the next day we put in at uh, Sidon, And Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. When they got into the port of of Sidon, which would be in in Lebanon today, modern Lebanon, uh, the leader, the Roman leader, treated Paul with, here's that word consideration, it's the same Greek word, philanthropy or or, uh, love, treated Paul with kindness. And what he did, Paul apparently had some physical needs, that needed to be taken care of, so he allowed him to go offshore and be treated by his friends. That's what we're talking about. That's the kindness of God. God is so kind to minister to people who are in need. Then the very next chapter, chapter 28 of Acts, verses 1 and 2, Paul still hasn't gotten to Rome yet. He was involved in a shipwreck. And uh, right near the island of Malta, just below Sicily. And when they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. There's that word, that love and kindness. For because of the rain that, that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. Kindness. It was cold. These men had been swimming through the Mediterranean. There was a storm, and so they built a fire and they ministered to their needs. That's what we're talking about. That's God's kindness. So God is a kind and loving God, and it's because of his loving kindness that he appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why verse 4 says at the end, notice verse 4, speaking of God our Savior and his love for mankind, appeared. God has always been kind. God has always been loving. But in a very special way, he demonstrated that when he appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, look at Titus 2.11. It's the same thing. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's the thought. Christ appeared in order to bring salvation. And that's why Paul goes on to explain in verse 5. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Let, let's stop there. The kindest and most loving thing that God has done for us is the fact that he saved us. Those of us who know Jesus Christ know what it means to be saved. That is to say that by the death of Christ on the cross, our sins were paid for. God's holiness was satisfied. The moment we place our trust in Christ, and Paul doesn't even deal with that here, so don't think that uh, we're leaving something out. That's not Paul's point here. It's to show how kind God has been. But it does take faith and trust. And the moment we trust him as our only means of salvation, the only way to heaven, then we are forgiven of our sins and we are delivered from hell. 
Hell is the place where people pay for their sins forever and ever and ever. It is eternal punishment. A horrible, horrible place. And we're delivered from that. That's where we get the word saved. We're saved from the penalty of our sins. Now, why did God do this? Here's Paul's point. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. In other words, since God has been so kind to us who don't deserve his kindness, we have no, we have no righteousness. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, which means we have no righteousness. If God has been so kind to us, not because of anything we've done, we've been just the opposite, then don't you think you should be kind to other people, to those who are lost and unsaved and and are unregenerate? You see, you don't want to miss Paul's point here. This is not just an orthodox statement of of, uh, our faith. It, It is that, but it's not just that. It's an argument as to why we should be kind to those who are foolish and disobedient and deceived and enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, malicious and envious, uh, hating one another and being the kind of people who are hateful. And it's because God has been so merciful to you. And, and And I wonder if you've ever really thought about that. Sometimes we take our salvation for granted. After a while, we're so comfortable with the fact that we've been saved that we don't even think how kind God has been to us. Do you realize that he saved us on the basis of his mercy? Nothing we could do, uh, nothing that we've ever done. And, and that's why it's good to observe the Lord's Supper. When we have the Lord's Supper, you ought to be back on Sunday nights. Uh, once a month, we observe the Lord's Supper because we are specifically reminded of the mercy and kindness of God and Christ's death for us. God has been merciful to you. You see, God didn't treat us kindly and save us because we were deserving and nice people. We were not nice people. Anybody who thinks they were a nice person and um, and, and really they had righteousness is not saved anyway. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to heal the righteous, but the unrighteous. The unrighteous. Purely due to his mercy. In fact, Romans chapter 5 says we were his enemies when he saved us. We were not nice but naughty. No, we were wicked, horrible, rebellious sinners. And it's precisely why we are to be kind to the lost. That's his argument. Now, I hope that you understand that there are no deeds that you could ever do. And I say this to those who perhaps don't know Christ. I hope that you understand that there are no deeds that you can ever do that would save you. There is no righteousness that you have. There may be some some outwardly benevolent things that that appear to be righteous, but God is holy. You could never be righteous like him. You could never be like that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to see the whole passage. We often just jump to verses 8 and 9, but but watch this. Ephesians chapter 2. See, this is what motivates us to be kind to others. If you have a struggle with doing good deeds and being kind and gracious, and you need to understand how kind and gracious God has been to you. And if you know that, you need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're unresponsive to God. You were, you were walking about. You weren't physically dead, but you were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, meaning you followed Satan. Now, you may not have believed in a personal devil, but you were his child. 
He, you were enslaved by him. You followed what he wanted you to do. And what he wanted you to do is just lead a life contrary to Jesus Christ. Among them, verse 3 says, we too all formerly uh, lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's the way you were. Paul was a very, very religious man. He said, that's the way I was. That's the way I was. You did whatever you wanted to do, and you didn't really care about, about God or his word. Verse 4 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It says, but God. There's a whole sermon that D. Martin Lloyd-Jones did on those two words, but God. But God. If this was not in the Bible, we would all be doomed for a Christless eternity. But God, being rich in mercy because of his love with which he loved us, and he loved us because he loved us, not because we were lovely. Even when we were dead in, in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Positionally, we are in union with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We're risen with Christ. We're in heavenly places with Christ. In order, why did he do this for us? I mean, it certainly wasn't because we were great people. Why did he do this? In order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That is, for all of eternity, we are still going to be amazed how kind God has been to us. That's why in Revelation, it says we're going to sing a new song, which is really the old song of thank you, Lord, that you saved us. All glory goes to you. God did this so that in the ages to come, we'll just sit in amazement at how kind he's been. And angels will be so uh, amazed at how kind he's been to fallen mankind. Then, verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not only is salvation the gift, but faith is the gift. It's all of God's grace, not as a result of works that no one should boast. We have nothing to boast about. It is all his doing because of his kindness. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We never had any good works that would commend us to God. We have to be saved by his mercy and grace and kindness. But now that we're saved, he's done a work in our lives so that we now have good works that we're to perform. And some of these good works are to be directed towards people who are still dead in sins and trespasses. And that's the point of Titus chapter 3. God has saved us and created us in Christ Jesus unto good work so that we would turn around and be kind and merciful to people who were just like us. So we're to be kind to the lost because God has been kind to us. But how kind has God been? Some of us just want to stop at this point and say, well, he saved us. And isn't, isn't that enough? That is enough. Except Paul goes on to explain the depth of what that means. So let, let me just proceed a little further. And the more you know of what God has done for you, the more grateful you, you'll be to him the more praises you'll be, you'll direct towards him and the kinder you will be to other people. He, is, he didn't just save us from hell, but Paul explains the depth as we look at the end of verse 5 and following. But we'll stop at verse 5. He said, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Let's stop there. The first thing Paul tells us after the fact that he saved us is he did this by the washing of regeneration. When God mercifully saved us, he did it by cleansing us from our sin. You were internally and eternally washed and bathed 
from the filth of guilt and the filth of your sin. Now, this has nothing to do with baptism. Sometimes when people read washing in the Bible, they immediately think of baptism. This has nothing to do with baptism. This is called the washing of regeneration. What does regeneration mean? It's a good thing to write down. Regeneration means the new birth. It literally means a birth again. It's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus when uh, Nicodemus came to him by night. He said, you must be born again. You must be cleansed. This refers to the new birth, born again. We often throw that expression around, have you been born again? But it really means new life, his life within you. You have been born afresh. He plants new life in you, his life. We've been given a divine nature. That's why you are a new creature in Christ. You may not always behave like a new creature in Christ, but you are a new creature in Christ. You have a divine nature. Let me just show you this, First John chapter 2, because this is not simply academic. This is not simply a question you ask on a doctrinal statement, have you been born again? Being born again affects the way you live. God has been so kind to you by giving you new life so you would live a new life. It's not that he just put something in you and, and, uh, and just left it at that. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, it's throughout 1 John, but a number of statements about being born again. But let me just show you this. 1 John 2, 29, if you know that he's righteous, and we certainly do, we know that Christ is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. People who know Jesus Christ act like Jesus Christ. Certainly not that we're going to be perfect, but there will be evidence of new life. God has been so kind to you. He's been so kind to me. He actually has transformed us inwardly. There is a practical righteousness that flows out of us because we have Christ living in us. And that's why when it comes to treating the lost with kindness, you can do this. It isn't that God is telling you to do something that you have uh, no power or strength to do. You have a new nature. And that new nature wants to obey and wants to do what's right. This is why you have new desires, new ambitions, new drives, new values. And this, by the way, is why the world hates us. Now, we struggle with the world's values, but do you know why we have different values? It's because you have a new nature. And the reason the world hates us, according to John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, the world will hate you. It hated me because Jesus said, I have taken you out of the world. The world can't understand us. Why are we so different than they are? Why don't we laugh at the things that they laugh at? Why don't we have the same views on morality? Why don't we have the same perspectives on, on certain values? It's because you have a new nature, not because one day you decided that you were now going to attend the church and study the Bible. You've been changed internally. That's why Christianity is not being reformed, and that's why we don't reform other people. Christianity is a new way of life. It's a relationship. It starts on the inside. It's not pharisaical. The Pharisees were into outward behavior, external behavior. But true Christianity is internal righteousness, and it begins because you've been born again. God has given you his life. And anyone who says, well, I know him, and never demonstrates that uh, they have any kind of righteous behavior, John says they're lying. He who says, I know him, he said, ought to walk like him. There ought to be some demonstration of righteousness. And if you never see that, you have every right to say, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Now, not only did God give us new life, and you ought to thank him for that, and you ought to be grateful for that, and you ought to treat other people who don't have that properly, so hopefully they can come to Christ. But not only did he give us new life, but verse 5 of Titus 3 goes on to say, 
Not only the washing of regeneration, but something else. And the renewing by the Holy Spirit. What does renewal mean? It, mean, it means to make new. Uh, some Bible teachers take it that this is synonymous with the regeneration. Maybe it is. I, I tend to think that he's uh, saying something a little bit different here because renewal speaks of uh, not just imparting new life, but the ongoing process by which the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. That is to say, God didn't just give you new life. He gave you the strength to obey in the power of that new life. This is the Spirit's ongoing work of sanctification. That's that's my understanding of this. Conforming us continually to the image of Jesus Christ. How kind has God been to you? Think about this. He saved you. He cleansed you. He's given you new life to which he empowers you. But there's more. Verse 6, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God has poured out his Holy Spirit. That's who he's speaking about now. God has poured out his Holy Spirit on us, and uh, we've been singing about that this morning. There's been a theme about the Spirit of God in order to make us, to make ample provision for us for the development of this new life. God didn't give you a little bit of the Holy Spirit. He has given you the person of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people will speak of the filling of the Holy Spirit like they only got part of him. You know, I want... uh, No, he's a person. He's a person. In other words, you have all you need to lead a new life in Christ, a life of holiness. You have everything you, you need. God has given you his Holy Spirit in fullness. Would you look at Ephesians chapter 3 just for amplification of this? And you know what? What we're saying today for for most of us who know Christ, this isn't anything new. It isn't anything where you're going to go away from here going, you know, that is deep. I've never seen that in Scripture. For most of us who know Christ, we ought to say, that was just a, a helpful reminder. God has been kind to me. God has been merciful to me. I have a renewed commitment to be merciful and kind to other people. Notice Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to what? The power that works within us. You don't need some new experience to make you holy. You have it. You have everything you need. God works exceedingly abundantly in us because of the ample provision of the Holy Spirit. That's why he could say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given to you. You don't get any more of him. Now, you, do, you may get a fresh anointing in the sense of, of his empowering. But as far as the ongoing sanctifying, empowering work of the Spirit of God on a daily basis, rather than a, a, a type of power for maybe a, a special job he's called you to do, you've got that within you. You've got the Holy Spirit. God showed his kindness to us in saving us, in cleaning us up, in giving us new life and empowering us. But those are not the only evidences of his kindness towards us. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will show us more ways in which God has been kind to those he has saved. It has been good to have you with us today for Verse by Verse, a program that we think of as a daily radio Bible class. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel since 1981. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are glad to be able to make his messages available to you. If you have been blessed by these classes, I hope you will consider helping keep them on the air. Here's Pastor Steve to tell us more about that. 
I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support verse by verse with their prayers and financial gifts. Two things come to my mind. One was a lady who wrote a letter to us and said, you make the word of God sound easy. I mean, that was, she was saying, you, you make it understandable. And I actually hung that letter up in my office. You make the word of God easy to understand. And that's really what we want to do. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 That's P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 Thank you, Pastor Steve. We have more information on our website versebyverseradio.org You'll also find today's program there if you'd like to listen again. That's versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. To order a cassette or a CD with the entire message from which we extracted today's lesson, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number, and we will return your call during normal business hours. That's 727-239-0306. What do unsaved people know about Jesus? What do they know about the Bible? Nothing except what they see in you and me. You and I may be the only Bibles that our neighbors will read, 